Welcome everyone and thanks for listening to the Instructor's Kitbag, a podcast for all educators based out of Army Logistics University in Fort Lee, Virginia. I am your host, Nate Ball, and in this episode, I have two fellow educators so that we can better discuss the importance of concrete experiences in the classroom and how vital it is to have a solid publish and process phase afterwards. So let's get started. Okay, so joining me now is Keith Ferguson and Mustafa Abdullah, and I just want to have you just introduce yourselves to our audience and what you do here at Army Logistics University, and then we can really get into some really good practices of concrete experience and publishing and process. I am Keith Ferguson. I have been an educator my entire life, working with the Army as a second career. I have taught in schools in um, New Hampshire, Virginia, and Bolivia. So that's my educational background. When I came to ALU, I started out as an instructor, and that is where my passion lies. I am the program manager for the Faculty Development Recognition Program and ALU's own program, Instructor of the Year, Educator of the Year. And I do lunch and learns as my way of still being able to teach. Hello, everyone. I'm Mustafa Abdullah. I'm retired Army. I did 23 years successful service. I was a senior instructor at the basic level and the senior level at the Non-Commissioned Officers Academy here on Fort Lee, Virginia. I've obtained a master's degree in business management. After I retired, I became a contractor here on Fort Lee where I worked for 10 years as an instructor. My current position now, I'm a training specialist working with DAO faculty and staff. So needless to say, I'm joined by uh, two individuals who are very adept at uh, not just teaching and instructing, but what concrete experiences can mean to them. And so why not have a chat with them as we're talking about this and to all of you about not just concrete experience, but publishing process. But before we get into that, I just want to remind everyone that in the previous episode, I talked about the experiential learning model. And that's where we're pulling the concrete experience and the publishing process from. They're the first two phases of five total phases. It goes concrete experience, publish and process, generalize new information, develop and apply. And in the Army, what we have generally in a lesson plan is we have what's called the five-part lesson plan. Five-part lesson plan is administration, introduction, presentation, summary, and evaluation. And within the introduction, it's actually broken sort of into two separate sections, a motivator and an instructional lead-in. And if you were to do a sort of comparison of between experiential learning model and the five-part lesson plan, the motivator would be more akin to a concrete experience, while the instructional lead-in is more akin to publishing process. And what we're going to do, gentlemen, is we're going to focus on concrete experience and talk a little bit about publishing process. Talk about why you think a concrete experience is so important in the classroom. I think that the concrete experience kind of sets the tone for the class in and of itself, but you're trying to get the student to be engaged right from the start and that that engaging thing is related to the actual lesson plan you're presenting. I also agree with that, but I also think that a a concrete experience is something that is used to either evaluate the learner and figure out where is that gap within their learning and the lesson plan itself so you can kind of gauge where your learners are. Am I actually giving them a new experience or am I 
reinforcing a standard or an experience that they already have, but we don't know that until we expose them to a concrete experience. So according to just the Army learning model, well, specifically the Army experiential learning model, the concrete experience serves as a trigger related directly to experience and knowledge, serves as a focusing mechanism for the lesson that follows and as a support for teaching new content, but it also appeals to the student's effective domain behavior of valuing. Really, that's the motivator portion of the five-part lesson plan. As uh, Keith, you just said, we are trying to hook them in, uh, get them to value something they may not know. And of course, Mustafa, I think like you said, it does help as a sort of, does anybody have any experience with this? And, and does, will that affect my lessons or how I present information later? Okay, so my question to you two then is, what are some different formats you've used to initiate a concrete experience in the classroom? Well, for us, the main three that we normally see is videos, uh, scenarios, and pictures that they use to trigger the thought process of the learner. I actually try to use something that gets in their face. And, and that may not be a good technique, but that's the way that I usually do it. I have been known to play music, but I try to stay away from the visual. I stay away from jokes. It is something that I do, and usually it involves something physical because that grabs attention. For me, I also like to use uh, some sort of activities because I do like the visual. I do like the getting in your face sort of thing, but I also like uh, sort of like an activity that isn't just necessarily an individual student activity, but either a two or three person activity. That also helps as an icebreaker, especially if it's the first thing of the day, gets them up and moving, gets them doing stuff. So I also like that as a concrete experience, but you certainly aren't limited to anything we just said. One of the things that I think is really crucial to the development of concrete experiences is to try something new. And if it doesn't work, don't do it again. I used Jimi Hendrix's uh, Star Spangled Banner to get people in the mood of something. It was an absolute failure. So I tried it twice. First time I said, well, maybe I didn't do it well. Second time, yuck. And so never did it again after that. What are sort of the, the defining factors that really will determine your concrete experience and which method you go with? Well, I think it's uh, depending on the students now when they're have to, having to present what they're comfortable with. Uh, again, you know, starting off, you know, as a, pretty much those novice type instructors, they're really going to go with something that they think would actually get their bang for their buck, if you will, when it comes to that concrete experience. Because to them, if it don't work, they might necessarily not have the skill set to continue what they were trying to do um, if they start off with a bad concrete experience. That's why I say normally we see videos, those scenarios, or pictures uh, to try to trigger the thought process of the learners that they're teaching. I use music a lot rather than video. You know, that they will either come into the class, even, you know, in, during that period of they're just being there and getting to class on time, I might have a piece of music playing that is actually part of that concrete experience. Concrete experiences can also be determined then by your target audience. Length of time, right? You can have an amazing concrete experience, but if it takes 30 minutes, but you don't have 30 minutes, uh, you may need to uh, restart or reset your ways. And also, I guess, anything technology-based, just always assume technology is going to fail, yeah. as it does. And what would you do outside that? Well, a lesser 
um, concrete experience that we, we've seen or I have seen personally is that the learners would actually create a problem uh, in the concrete experience, um, something that's going to build upon later in their lesson plan. So sometimes they do try to have a little fun, um, whereas they would probably have a puzzle or something of that nature, uh, some type of equation or some type of mathematical problem, something that they would have to solve for the X. One other thing that I think, though, and you already have touched on it, but the need for the concrete experience to actually be a very short duration of time. I have seen people put a quote on the, on the screen, and they say, I want you to look at this quote and think about it, and they spend two minutes looking at a single line. That's way too long. They should be able to say, I want you to look at this quote, think about it, and then tell me about it. And that takes all of 20 seconds at the most, or 10 seconds. Yeah, I agree with that because also the concrete experience is about achieving a buy-in. So we definitely want to achieve a buy-in, and sometimes time is a factor. So you definitely would want to, again, I, I use the term bang for your buck, if you will. You want to target up, target down, as we would say. Basically giving them that experience, spending just the right amount of time because students will lose interest um, if you carry out your concrete experience too long, and then you might lose value in your buy-in. A lot of concrete experiences I like to use tend to be more discussion-based. And so as with anything, right, that can go on for as long as you need it to. But for me, sometimes I'm so invested in what we're all talking about right. and I'm interested in what everyone's talking about. Next thing you know, 15 minutes has passed. And if I have that time, great. And if I budgeted for that time, great. But if I haven't, okay, we're going to have to speed things up or do something else. So that would be our concrete experience. Publishing process, which is the second phase of ELM, the experiential learning model, if you were to compare it to our five-part lesson plan, would be our instructional lead-in. For me, I view the instructional lead-in as bridging the motivator to what we'll be learning in class. You have a concrete experience, whatever that experience may be, mm -hmm. and then that publishing process is, what did you just go through? Let's talk about it, and here's our bridge to get to our content that is really going to have something to do with what your concrete experience is about in some form or fashion. So how important do you think that publishing process really is? It's crucial because then you're able to decide, did I get the buy-in I need? And you can tell if you did or not. Like I said, I've done things that have failed miserably. But the point is get them into responding about what they saw or what they heard and how do they feel about it. Yeah, I agree with that also. Um, the publishing process and, again, uh, just allowing your targeted audience to go through the experience and being neutral um, with what they're actually seeing, what, what they're actually experiencing, um, when they publish it. Uh, sometimes we don't want to guide the learner into the direction in which we want. We want the real experience that they're having so that we can gauge how far we need to go into our lesson or how close our audience is in line with our, our um, content that we're going to cover. So we have to kind of be neutral, I would say. Um, I always ask my um, students to be neutral in the publishing processing allow them to be to reflect and publish exactly what it is that they're being exposed to. All right, so just like last episode, I sort of gave some examples of what ELM would look like as a whole sort of in a classroom, a very rudimentary uh, basic lesson plan in an ELM format. 
But what I'd like to do is I'd like to have us brainstorm for the audience, because I have found a lot of times when you're looking for examples of things, they just sort of talk about examples when you look at it online, but they don't have it, what it looks like in the classroom kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to give you a lesson plan, and y'all have just barely looked at it. We're going to start uh, brainstorming some concrete experiences for this. So what I did is I went to the Virginia Standards of Learning site, and I pulled a mathematics instruction plan for grade 8, the SOL is 8.10. The student will solve area and perimeter problems, including practical problems involving composite plane figures. If my listeners haven't done eighth grade in a while, basically all it is is you have a square, and if you added a rectangle to it, or if you added a triangle to it, or multiple, right? You just, it's just basically multiple shapes and how to find areas and perimeters in that. Let's talk about some good concrete experiences to get eighth graders, mind you, because we have to think about our target audience. How would we change a concrete experience from eighth graders to now we're, we're teaching senior leadership, Army Logistics University, soldiers, the same thing? Or would we change our concrete experience? So let's go ahead and talk about concrete experience or motivator for composite figures, area, and perimeter for eighth graders. Do you have an idea, Keith? Um, it's, it's interesting, the question you pose, though, because I probably would change the concrete experience for an eighth grade audience versus an adult audience. Okay. I probably would make that change because they're not the same. So yes, you do need to be very aware who you are talking to. I usually take something out of my own life. I remodel and restore old houses. And so I might show them a picture and show them something that might be odd about the building or, or something like that and have them say, well, what would you do here or something like that? So something that's weirdly structure, a weird structure portion of a house or something like that. Yes. Okay. I probably would have maybe a pit collage of, of different shapes um, on it and then also possible, possibly showing like different houses and how they're structured as well. Um, it would be something I would probably try. Okay. I am going to also stick with the house theme, but because I'm, I like to do a little bit more discussion-based stuff and storytelling type things, surprise, surprise, I would talk about spite houses. And for those of you who don't know spite houses, essentially they are houses built to, well, to spite somebody, whether it be the local government, their neighbor, or whatever. They might build a house simply to block sunlight, a view, one of my favorite examples of this uh, is in, it's in Alameda. It's called the Alameda Spite Housing in the San Francisco Bay Area. And basically what happened was this local government, wanted, this guy wanted to build a dream house, right, on a plot. The local government said, well, actually, we're going to take that and build a street on it. And his, his next-door neighbor was cool with it. He wasn't cool with it, obviously, right? He's given up most of his land, and the neighbor was pretty much a jerk about it. So what he did is he didn't have a, he only had a little sliver of land. So he, he built a house, which was 20 feet high, enough to block upper level windows of the next house. It was 54 feet long, but it was 10 feet wide. So this is a livable house, but it's 10 feet wide. And so he took these composite shapes in areas of whatever parcel land he had left. And because his neighbor was such a jerk about it as well, he decided to build a house that pretty much ruins the view of that entire section of his neighbor's uh, house. He can't see anything but the house next to him, which is, what, maybe five feet distance between the two. So I would probably talk about spite houses. 
because it's eighth graders, right? Just like social media and everything going on now, people like spite. We'd like to see how somebody's being a jerk or how you deal with what you may think is a jerk. So that's how I would go with eighth graders. But okay, let's talk about then if it was uh, senior leadership, like here at Army Logistics University, would your concrete experience change? As I said, it would. And I have to kind of hear some other ideas because I'm not sure how I would present that lesson to senior leadership. So I would be open to ideas. Um, I would probably try to create possibly a scenario just to, to just enough to probably capture um, the mindsets of different um, people in a targeted audience um, and see if anybody can catch on. And if they're thinking from a group perspective, uh, then possibly somebody's aha moment might kind of gravitate to that next person and try to achieve a buy-in that way. Okay. I was sort of thinking of recarpeting rooms. With, with senior leadership, most of them, I'm sure, because they're older, have probably dealt with either recarpeting or flooring or anything like that. And a lot of times there's just weirdly shaped rooms or you have to figure out what you got to buy because if you if you break up the one room that's sort of shaped like an L, you would have to buy the flooring for basically a rectangle and then a square and what that would look like and how you would plan that out. So I might do some more real world with them okay. simply because they probably also done it. That's my thought. For us, where we work now at Army Logistics University, this is just a just popped into my head. We've got a military audience. And so I would maybe try to make it a uh, some kind of military example where I might say, here is a battle space that you occupy. You know, how large is that in square footage? Or, you know, and that would be odd sizes, but maybe they could relate to that better. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, possibly staging or uh, a particular area that they would go to and set up uh, based on site selection, possibly go and see how far out it would be considered that perimeter or sectors that would be guarded, and then try to break that up into whose particular section would be where within that particular perimeter has been outlined. Offhand, we've talked about buildings or land space. Can you think of an idea that would be away from buildings? Anything else that just pops into your head to grab this adult audience? I would say possibly a map um, also. Just something of a picture, you know, where you can see the map itself um, and the particular areas that are scoped out, depending on those areas or that we would be, as far as military, be you know, accessing or using, um, where you can see a, a bigger picture. And normally maps already have things sectioned off and, so you would get your shapes and irregular shapes and things of that nature as well from that. Or maybe like a, even just a plot of land that you yes. have to mow. Mm -hmm. You know, how much would you have to mow based on this and how much, if you were to charge X amount of money for X amount of area or whatever, what would it be for these different weird sort of composite shapes? How would you break that up? That's a really that's great a one. Yeah, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that at oh, all. Oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it. I think it's really good to brainstorm ideas with people you know because you may see something you've never seen before or never considered and go, ah, that might work. Right. And I'm sure anybody listening to this has probably already thought of several ideas and were like, why aren't they talking about this? This is an easy one. And that's great. And that's why you talk to other people because people obviously think differently from one another. And it is so very important because it definitely can breathe life into a lesson that you may have taught over and over and over again. And you're getting a bit bored 
people know when you're getting bored, when you're going through the same motions, you have the same jokes, like that happens to me. I would have the same jokes when presenting some lessons uh, before. And yes, it's a new audience, but it's still the same joke. And so, it, yeah, if, if something doesn't work uh, repeatedly, just try something different. Or just, it definitely for me, injects a little bit of new life into things. All right, well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Keith Ferguson and uh, Mustafa Abdullah here at Army Logistics University. We have been talking about concrete experience and, of course, the publishing process phases of the experiential learning model. No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to to share with the audience and to even share just ideas with you guys in a, in a real way. I also want to thank you as well for allowing me the opportunity to be a part of this. All right, I think then we'll just wrap up. Done and dusted. Uh, we'll pat ourselves on the back, high fives all around. And uh, for our listeners and fellow educators, uh, concrete experience for us is extremely important. Please put the time into it. Please be purposeful with it. If you can, get those students engaged because the concrete experience is a student-centric phase of ELM. If you're still having issues with it or you're just not, you know, I mean, some people are, they know how to adapt things, but not necessarily the creation portion. Talk with your fellow educators. See if they've got something in their, in, in their brain spaces. That's it. We'll wrap up this episode. Thank you for listening to the instructor's kit bag. Never stop learning, never stop teaching, and never stop learning how to teach. Mm-hmm.